laying down in your bed? No. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Only one way to find out. Um, hey guys. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Howdy doody. Uh how are you guys doing? Doing well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh James, how is our uh horizontal friend? <laughs> there needs to be a t-shirt horizontal <laughs> and dear listener if you hear popping in the background we have a lot of people around us celebrating diwali yeah oh. so just know there's gonna be fireworks yeah you might- and there's probably not gonna be a way to edit it out <laughs> you probably hear some pop pops you might also hear our daughter scream at one point because she keeps forgetting that she keeps asking why it's happening and yeah. they're like fireworks. <laughs> oh all right well you guys welcome to the 13th floor <laughs> podcast i am cc i'm alex i'm james and here we are another week mm. Another strange topic, and this week we're getting a little spooky. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This week we're talking about the witch on Wall Street. (laughs) The witch on Wall Street. (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about witches. I feel like we're a little out of practice. It's been so long since we recorded. Yeah, we had a little hiatus. Yeah. Here you go, bro. Here you go, bro. (laughs) Yes. Alex (laughs) has to get his vocals warmed up. All right. Well, you guys... um, you know what? I think that we should give some shout-outs to people around the world. Yeah. How's that sound? Oh, sure. Let me uh, turn on my computer. All right. First shout-out. <laughs> shout-out to you, Antarctica. Antarctica. Oh, that would make me so <laughs> happy that be cool? to have too. a listener in Antarctica. Yeah. Just like one, lo- well, one lone polar bear <laughs> over there somewhere. Polar bears don't <laughs> I know. They don't live there. I know. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled a James. That's something James would have said. Yeah. I was going to actually. He is is over there fidgeting over there. (laughs) Yeah, you just make make a joke. Mm. All right, you guys. Oh, there's some some, uh, amoeba in Antarctica. You could have said penguin. Yeah. March of the penguins. No. Mm -mm. We don't know if they really live there. Have you seen it? (laughs) All right. All right, you guys. We're going to give a shout out today to Alberta, Canada, because they have been listening like crazy this month. Ooh. And also, let's see where else. Who else is listening to us? Um, St. Kitts and Nevis, we want to give them another shout out because they left us a really kind review. Somebody, yeah. somebody there left us a really nice oh. review. So whoever left us that review, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Another shout out to you. Uh, also, shout out to Austria. Because we've got quite Arnold's a few hometown in Austria, in <laughs> nice. here in the U.S. of A. Alex, close your eyes. All right, Alex is giving a shout out to Georgia, where we live. So, <laughs> um, hello to everyone listening in Georgia. It's actually one of our top five states this month. Ooh, nice. Yeah. California's at the top of the list this month. Wow. Yeah. So, we go California. All right, you guys. Thank you for listening, wherever you're listening. It doesn't matter. If we, if we didn't say where you're listening particularly, guess what? We might say it in a future episode, but still, we want to thank you for listening because without you, this podcast would be nothing. That's you know right. Be yeah. dust yeah. in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to leave us a review, just like the kind, kind soul in St. Kitts and Nevis, Alex, where can they leave a review for us? You can leave a review for us on iTunes. Um, it really helps us out. Yeah. Um, you could also send any requests you have to yeah. um, 13th Floor Pod 
at gmail.com. No, no. All right. <laughs> if you have a topic you want to submit, dear listener, you can send it to us at 13th Floor Podcast at gmail.com. The cast was silent. <laughs> on our website, 13thfloorpodcast.com, or on Instagram or Facebook, 13th Floor Podcast. Do you hear the pop there's, there's a sample of it right there. Oh. It sounds like it's like right over our house almost. I'm nice. surprised. Like, one's not screaming right well, she's now. She's asleep, or or she's still. Yeah, she's she finally fell asleep. She yeah. has a toy lamp. Like, it's literally just a lamp that sings. It's hard it's, plastic. Hmm. Like, she sleeps with it every night. It's weird. Oh. All right. So, I guess that's it. Do, do you guys want to do an icebreaker? I've got one for us today. Oh, yes. Oh, I came to the table with an icebreaker. Oh, nice. Yeah. I just want to know, and this is the thing that's brought this up, is that I'm in the process of deleting my Facebook. Mm-hmm. So I want to know, do you think you guys could survive without social media? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's it's pretty easy, yeah. yeah. The only thing I get on is Twitter, and I think my life would probably be much better without it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I say that, but it's also my main source for like news that I feel like I can trust. Yeah. So I could survive, but I wouldn't be able to think for myself. <laughs> <laughs> James, what about you? you? You could get rid of it? LinkedIn is very valuable for me, but like for my own personal enjoyment, it would be no sweat. Because for me, social media is more of a chore anyway. Amen. Um, yeah, it just gets you angry, which is it, which is what it's supposed to do. Because yeah. making you angry makes you come back. Yeah. That's true. That's you, true. This is a this is my little like this is James's tips for a living. Um, <laughs> don't check social media in the morning because that offsets people's neurotransmitters because they get that real quick dopamine rush like immediately, like right when they wake up, like oh, let me check this, and they get a dopamine rush, and then it just hmm. kind of screws up with the rest of their day because the rest okay. of their day. Their brain is based on that little rush. So Interesting. Yeah. That's good to know. So, James, at what point can you check? Uh, I usually check after lunch or just before lunch. Okay. Dang. Wow. I, you know, I'm in the process of deleting my Facebook, so I know I could definitely w- live without it. My personal social media of choice is obviously Instagram as a photographer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in my, my personal Twitter, I've gone to not going through my timeline anymore. Yeah, I just post and respond to things that are posted on my on my posts, but I've purposely decided not to go through my timeline. Probably a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys, me in the process of deleting my Facebooks. You know, they don't make it easy to delete. You have to go through and physically delete every single post. Really? Yes, you do. You've got to go delete every single picture. It is very time consuming. That is crazy. Yeah. I found some interesting stuff when I was going through mine. First of all, I have so many posts from a ton of people that I do not remember. Mm. Yeah, and they're all they're all really nice posts too. Like, hey, I love getting lunch with you. Let's get together again soon. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. And now I have literally no idea who these people are. Mm. So you didn't follow them. I'm like, I'm like Joni. Who the hell is Joni? I don't even know. Oh, okay. And also, I have so many posts that are like, so unmotivated. Why does this always happen to me? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that was a early college uh, high, or 
high school post, I'm sure. Yes, um, it was called clinical depression. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to be over that. Mm. And then also, I was really awful at responding to people. So major apologies to anybody who posted on my wall 11 years ago and never heard from me. Consider this my response. Hi, and also bye, because I'm kicking Facebook to the curb. <laughs> yeah, so are you guys ready to hop on into our topic today? Or are you guys ready to talk about witches? Yeah. Uh, disclaimer, the 13th Floor Podcast is still, all our social is up. She's just talking about personal social. Yes, personal social. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can reach out to us on the 13th Floor Social whenever yeah. you want. Anytime. Okay. Now, who? the question is, who wants to go first? I am focusing on one witch. Me too. I know you all are kind of... I kind of want James to go last, just because, like, Rasputin. We know. Very interesting. That's kind of like the marquee title, almost. Yeah. So, he's got to finish strong. You know what I mean? Because everyone's heard (laughs) of Rasputin. Not everybody knows everything about Rasputin. I feel like James is going to drop some bomb on us. You hear the bombs? Oh, Those are the bombs that James was dropping. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. That's like, <laughs> that's right out there, dear listener. Thank you for celebrating Diwali with us. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Alex, how about you go first since you like to go first so much? I do like going first because that way we can start strong and end strong. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> All right. So, Alex, who are you talking about? All right. I am talking about Maul Dyer. Have y'all heard of Maul Dyer? James, have you heard of Maul Dyer? I'm not, it's not ringing a bell. Well, James, you're in for a little bit of a treat. A treat. <laughs> a treat. So, uh, this Maul, Maul Dyer was in the, lived in the small town of, or right outside the small town of Leonardtown, Maryland. Ooh. Founded in 1660. Back then, oh. it was known as Seymour Town. Seymour Town over there? <laughs> yeah, so it was this really important port town back in the colonial days. It's not so important much anymore. It's kind of known for its architecture. What <laughs> <laughs> if we have a listener? <laughs> it's, I'm not saying- it's a real hole in the wall now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. I just meant, you know, important port town means like it is like necessary for that area to survive. It's not that anymore. <laughs> I wouldn't stop there for a gas. I just pushed my car out of town. <laughs> I, w- I would say the same thing about my hometown or even Lexington. <laughs> All right. All right. <sighs> oh, man. <laughs> so this one is. So I've been so thrown off by insulting these people. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so this is where the infamous story of this, they call her a sinister witch. Ooh. Yeah. Mm. That is thought to be the inspiration for the Blair Witch Project. Oh, no. <laughs> now, now th- this witch, I wouldn't call her sinister. When I read this story... And all the other versions of the story. Uh, Whoever's calling her sinister, (laughs) they they may have been the mean ones. Um, It makes me feel better because the Blair Witch Project, I remember when I watched that movie, I was way too young. Fun fact, I've never seen it. 
Uh, well, see, the name rings a bell now because I'm like, I, I felt like I heard it somewhere, and that's there's where a, is the Blair Witch Project. There's there's a couple witches that are attributed for. Well, yeah, but they name her in the, the film. Yeah, but but this one is not the one named in the film. Oh. I was looking on Twitter that the director of the new Blair Witch movie, which I think it's the same director as the old one. I could oh. be wrong. He was saying that. There, there's a moment in the film where you can see it, and he's saying that that is not what you see. That is actually a reference to something earlier in history that's from the same, from similar area and stuff. And I think it's this person, okay? Because it's like tall and spindly, almost like a Slender Man type, mm. like 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 long limbs, and it, you'll you'll see why. So, in the late 17th century, this small town. Was they had this like really tightly knit community? You know, they know everyone who comes in or out, except for this one older lady named Maul Dyer. Now, she was odd because she was very, very tall. She dwarfed everybody in the town. Mm. Yeah, so immediately a little unsettling for them. They said that she was she was this elderly woman. A curiosity, if you will. But <laughs> she she came into town pretty regularly, as in, like, she walked in, she walked out, and no one knew where she went. Mm. No one knew where she was from or anything. So she was, like, this, this really kind of odd figure in the town. And she was seen once foraging through the, the uh, woods looking for herbs. Herbs. Herbs, yep. And sometimes when she was in town, she would buy supplies. She'd beg for alms. According to these tales, she would kind of come and go late at night. And also when she was there, she would buy all these herbs that no one understood what they were for. She'd buy all these Mm. other ingredients too that as far as anyone could tell, there was no use for. (laughs) I can just imagine her being like... An experimental sous chef, and they're like, "What's basil?" Flipping out. (laughs) This woman bought oregano. (laughs) We only use that on wounds. Um, (laughs) So, after buying these things, she would often disappear. There was lots of theories about about who she was, what her origins were. Some of them thought that she was. Maybe a fugitive uh, that she was a, used to be a noble woman who was a fugitive after her husband had been killed. But these sound like tall tales that no one really knew. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. the whispers turned to something else. Ooh, being sinister. A, being a witch. I don't know why that wasn't the first one. With the <laughs> yeah. herbs. I mean, yeah. okay. Well, the the I think that the noble woman thing was to explain. Not seeing like why she distanced herself from everybody, I don't uh, know. But okay, I think the herbs and the oregano most likely <laughs> 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 led to her uh, being thought of as a witch. So mm. even after thinking she was a witch, the people really left her alone. No one bothered her. She came, she went, even though she was odd. But it was in 1967. This winter hits. In- 1967? Sorry, 1697. Okay. <laughs> in 1697, this winter hits, and it is just brutal. And it just cripples the town in a really bad way. Everyone is really struggling, and so they're probably looking for someone to blame. Now, Maldire walks into town, 
this older, really, really tall lady who lives no where no one can find her. She walks in and she's perfectly fine. She looks healthy. She looks like like nothing's been going wrong for her. She's not cold. Yeah, she looks healthier than anyone else in the town. They're not happy about someone being healthy, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> and so the rumors really kept swirling, and they decided that she is, for a fact, as a witch, and she is the reason that this is happening to them. So in response, we see the town do things that they did a whole bunch for <laughs> back then and they decided to get rid of the eagle that is plaguing them eagle that is plaguing did i say e- what is wrong with me you did the evil that is plaguing them <laughs> and un- so the the mob gets together they go out into the woods and they finally find her little tiny hut that's out by this creek and they mm. bar it closed, and they set it on fire. That's terrible. With her, with her inside. And then they leave. Well, they go back the next day, and she's not in the hut. And so they go out looking for her. And they find her, and she's actually frozen in this position on this stone, now called Dyer's Rock. And she has a hand on the stone and another hand pointing to the sky. Now, That's she froze like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there's there's drawings of her. Uh, not uh, the fictional draw. I mean, not fictional, but, uh. you know, you know, I mean, this is really old. So <clears throat> no one was probably uh, drawing elegantly. It was, it's probably really cold. They're like, listen. It's true. Their hands are probably shivering. They're trying to. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, so she she's frozen and she's stuck to this rock. So when they remove her, her handprint stays on the rock. There's this permanent etch of her hand on Dyer's rock. Dang. Yeah, yeah. So that looks pretty rough, right? Yeah. You're like, well, this lady may have really been a witch. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they started to worry about maybe what if she did something. In her final moments, like, oh, I don't know, curse us for real this time. (laughs) And sure enough, really strange things started to happen. Apparently, apparitions were seen around where her cabin had been burned down to the ground. A ghostly white dog was known to appear on the roads and cause, like, incidents. Havoc. Yep, havoc. There was a lot of vegetation had a really difficult time growing. Anywhere near her cabin. Mm. So it was like the soil had just been completely rotted away. And a lot of the crops in the area really didn't weren't surviving during the uh, the following harvest, Ooh. I guess. So it was looking really weird. Now, one really interesting thing is that location of her, of where her house was burned down, has an unusual amount of lightning strikes hit it. Really? Yes. And this, mm. this seems to be an actual thing. Like, an That's unusual creepy. number of lightning strikes hit the hit that area. So, she's cursed them. You know, apparently a lot of people that are involved with killing her meet a lot of misfortune. Freak accidents kill them. Everybody eventually, of course, dies. It doesn't say, most of them probably died of old age. But... 
they like, the story likes to sound like at least they're probably falling out. Like this is a final destination. Yeah, everyone's dying from. <laughs> yeah, so every, everything in the area is now haunted. Ooh. Not really haunted though, for the most part. Just a little bit of a little dog trickery. It's and just a little haunted. Some, yeah, a little bit of shadow apparitions. Okay. Yeah, some of the <laughs> some of the good stuff. I don't like that. So yeah, so now they've got this boulder, and it's still there called Dyer's Rock. And it, and so this is kind of funny. So when you get near the rock or you touch it, you experience different things like dizziness, nausea, nosebleeds, and headaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mostly because it's covered in mercury. I'm kidding. It's not covered <laughs> in mercury. Oh my goodness. Good lord. No, but apparently all these things happen. And, and even if you get near them, they can happen. So what did they decide to do in 1972? Pick it up and move it in front of the courthouse. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. Wow. So now it's not out of the way. It's on the way <laughs> throughout town. And now anyone can just go up and walk up and, t- and touch it. People people pose with it all the time. Why now. would anyone think it's a good idea to move the cursed rock? Well, I yeah. guess it, tourists in the tourism industry are like, well, if people are coming, let's bring it to them. Yeah. Right? No. Yeah, yeah. And they also they also built a road called Mole Dyer Road, which is supposedly goes out across like over where the witch's hut used to be. Jeez Louise. Mm. Yeah, and You're apparently apparitions show up on that one too. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, and they say inexplicable storms. That's called a pop-up shower. <laughs> 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 but the interesting thing about Maldire is that no one actually wrote down her story until the 19th century. Hmm. Her oh. story was told verbally verbally for all those years until Joseph F. Morgan collected all the accounts and put them on paper. <laughs> so it, she, some consider her to be an urban legend, which is understandable. You know, there's that much time passes, that much oral history is passed down. Who knows how many things have changed. I did look at the rock. Yeah. I can't see a handprint on it. But it definitely has an indentation on it. Hmm. Now, if it did have a handprint, it's probably been worn down by all the people climbing on it and probably putting their hands in the exact same place. Yeah. So, or, you know, maybe being transported when it shouldn't have been. Hmm. But it's, it's an interesting story that really pervades through the area. Like, they really... This is a big urban legend in there. Mall Dyer. Mall Dyer, which Mall is apparently a uh, nickname for any woman with a name starting with M. Mall. But her name would have been Mary Dyer. Okay. And there are some hints to her actually existing, but the problem is back then records are kind of sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> and the <laughs> other thing. In the 1800s, late 1800s, the courthouse burned down with All the most records. of the records. So most of the records have been destroyed of anything. Just about everything. Well, you guys, that's the story of Maul Dyer. I guess I guess it's my turn since James is yep. going to go last. Okay. Yep. Yes. And today, my sources include history.com. Witchcraft and witches.com, atlasobscura.com, and some sprinkles from the Wikipedia. Oh. This. And today, I'm not necessarily going to be chronicling a specific witch, 
per se, but instead I'm going to be talking about the Torsaker witch trial that took place in Torsaker, Sweden. Whoa. I think that's how you say it. Torsaker. It's T-O-R-S-A-K-E-R. Torsaker. Wasn't your last witch from Sweden? She sure was. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this witch trial took place in 1675. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you listen to our first witches episode, I did. I told the story of a witch named, I guess I should say so-called witch, named Malin Matt's daughter, who was also from Sweden. So, you guys, I can't seem to break away from that country. Mm-hmm. Shout out to all of our listeners in Sweden. Maybe it's a sign that deep down in my subconscious, I want to go to Sweden. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe I was from Sweden in a past life. Anyways, I digress. Tour soccer. This witch trial was actually one of the biggest to take place in Swedish history just one year before the death of Malin Matsdotter, which, if you remember from the last episode, kind of ended witch hunts in Sweden altogether. You guys, if you'll remember, the kids were blaming people on being witches, and the adults were like, if the kids say it's happening, then good gravy, I believe them. You guys remember that? <laughs> yep. Yeah, and then the kids started accusing the upper class women, and all of a sudden, the law was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. Maybe <laughs> these kids are actually lying, because there ain't no way my woman's a witch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Dumb, 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 dumb. But as you'll come to see this case, it isn't much different. <laughs> but it is, but it also isn't. So let me explain. First... I'd like to introduce you guys to a man named Laurentius Christopher Orneus of the Eterlanus Parish. That's a name. Yeah. Yeah, dear Laurentius. He was a priest slash minister slash preacher. I saw every name. Yeah, and the dictionary is all in there. But uh, he was a preacher for the Lutheran Church at the time. And TBH, he was really the man responsible for carrying out the Torsaker witch hunt. Oh. And he was not a nice dude at all. Let me tell you. He uh, he took his job very seriously, as most people should do when it comes to their work. But he was, like, over the top. He's very, very uh, – he had very little compassion for other people, mm. which is, like, the opposite mm. trait one would want to see in their church minister. <laughs> yeah. But whatever. <laughs> so at the time that this witch hunt occurred – it was when witchcraft became a huge fear throughout the country of Sweden. People were legitimately freaked out over the idea that witches were about casting mm. their spells and whatnot. And if you'll remember, the time was called that Stora Ovacented. Of course. I don't know. <laughs> or the Great Noise. Uh, because they were trying to hunt out all the witches. Mm. So yeah, the government was like, hey priests. You guys need to look into this mischief and put an end to it. So Laurentius, who again took his job very seriously, was like, all right, government, I've got you. So he opened up an investigation and began trying to seek out witches in his region. And do you guys know what his method for identifying said witches was? Mm. If they blink, if they they're blink. a witch. <laughs> okay, he ordered two altar boys to stand at the doors of his church and watch everyone who entered or walked by. And they had to identify if they saw a, quote, invisible mark on the people's foreheads that was a sign that they were working with the devil. Mm. That was his tactic, Uh, you guys. Of course. Yeah. So just leave it up to a couple of imaginative nine-year-olds. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Some fishy will burn them. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But if you remember, many witches in Sweden were accused of kidnapping children and taking them to a place called Blockula, where they would dance with the devil. 
So why not go straight to the people who are being kidnapped, the kids, Ooh. to see what they have to say? So these two little boys would be like, oh, sir, that woman there, she has the mark. And then Laurentius would mark down that person as being a witch. So it was very scientific, well thought out, <laughs> reasonable process. <laughs> Dumb. But I can't speak ill of these kids here because even though they were labeling completely innocent people as witches, ultimately leading to dozens of completely unnecessary deaths, for them, the job actually was like life and death. Again, Laurentius was not a nice man. And he would basically terrorize these children if they didn't comply with his requests and identify people Whoa. as witches. Um, he would dip the children in a hole carved into an iced over lake. Well, and try Christ. to freak. Yes. Yeah, I'm not kidding. No this wonder is, they were calling people Yeah. Out. So it's like they had no other choice. On the opposite end mm. of that spectrum, he also wasn't opposed uh, to throwing the kiddos into an oven. And he did not necessarily turn it on. But he would get the He's lighter. He's the witch. This is Hansel yeah. and Gretel. Isn't it insane? <laughs> yeah, he would pretend to light a fire while they were inside, which would obviously terrify them. And until they did what he wanted them to do. Oh, my God. So this man, you guys, I can't even <laughs> with this man. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he makes the, the priest from uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame seem like a nice guy. This oh, is he crazy. Was crazy. Yeah. And get this, you guys. One day, the altar boys just so happened to point out Laurentius's wife as being a witch. Oh. And her name was Britta Rufina, which, cool name. I like that name. <laughs> but they pointed her out as having the invisible devil's mark. And she slapped them, the kids. And Laurentius was yeah. like, shh, shut up, child. And the kids was like, oh, I'm so sorry. The sun was in my eyes, sir. <laughs> and so Britta was not ultimately labeled a witch. Oh, how convenient. Yeah, it must have been nice yeah. to be married to the man at the top. Man, so, where were these kids' parents? Oh, I don't know, James. That's a good question. Dang. So, yeah, at the uh, end of the quote-unquote investigation, 100 people in all were accused of being witches within this very tiny region, but 71 were executed, 65 women and 6 men. And the records of this witch trial are unfortunately lacking all of the official documentation from back in 1675, basically said stuff like, oh, this is just the typical witch trial. Not much to really divulge. Just normal witch hunt stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. It's basically all mm. they have. So we really don't have very much information other than the testimony from Miss Britta Rufina, wife of Laurentius oh. herself. Their grandson, a guy named Johns Horneus, wrote a book about this. And obviously, we probably don't have all the facts straight, considering our main source of info here is the family of the priest who basically mm. orchestrated the entire hunt. But here's how the actual executions apparently went down. According to Britta, who was eyewitness to all of this. Mm, fun. Yeah. All of the accused witches were crying and pleading for their lives and their own family members, like the members of the family of the quote unquote witches, they had this wall of pikes that they held up to guide all of the alleged witches to this little mountain where the executions mm. took place. Yeah. And all were first decapitated. And once dead, their family members undressed them, put them on stakes, and then they lit the freaking stakes on fire. Oh, wow. Yes. Can you freaking imagine? And according to Britta, the family members just went home afterward, like, completely unshaken. I'm sure they were probably psychologically scarred for the rest of their lives, but they didn't show it in that moment. Britta yeah. says it was like they were all numb to everything that was going on. This is what happens when the town priest puts kids in ovens. That's yeah, good Insane. lord. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it gets even sadder, you guys. These executions 
weren't even legal under the law of Sweden at the time. Oh. Basically, when an investigation such as the one Laurentius carried out, um, whenever there was an investigation, the person carrying out the investigation would have to report the number of accused to the higher court who would then look at all the cases and decide if execution was on the table. Mm-hmm. But Laurentius and his crew didn't report anything to the higher court. They basically just took matters into their own hands and executed the prisoners without getting permission from their superiors. Uh, this so, sounds kind of like a cult of personality. Yeah, yeah. It does. So the executions themselves weren't even legal. And all of those involved in the investigation were called to higher courts because they were like, what the F did you just do? <laughs> and Torsocker was like, we did what had to be done. And the Swedish commission at the very top of the witches hunt, the people who were at the very top were like, okay, no more executions in Torsocker. Okay. Can you promise that you're at least finished? And Laurentius was like, sure, I'm done. And that was it. No repercussions at all. Whoa, Still able geez. to leave the church. And he was about 30 years old when the witch trials took place, but he lived to the ripe old age of 74. And he was eventually buried underneath his church, where his grave is still preserved to this day. No. Yes. What? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And as for the altar boys who he had point out the so-called witches, they were found shortly after all this witch hubbub began to dry up with their throats slit. Wonder who did that. Oh, oh man. I wonder. So, that yeah. is crazy. Oh, yeah. my God. So after the Taurus Hawker witch hunt, there was still one more year of witch pandemonium in Sweden before officials started to really suspect the children of lying. And then there was the eventual death of Malin Matsara that kind of ended all of the craziness. And in 1677, all the churches were ordered to tell their pupils that all the witches had been run out of Sweden to curb the panic. But at the end of the day in Taurus Hawker, roughly... One fifth of the women population was executed that day. One fifth. Jeez. Oh. Yes, and that is the story, you guys, of the tour soccer witch hunt. My goodness. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, I hope I didn't ruin everyone's day with that. But yeah, and you want to go to sleep. Oh, my uh, yeah, that was, I just, I'm, I have no words. I think you should have gone last. That was a closer right there. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Sorry. You know, I did my. <laughs> I did my research a long time ago, and I kind of forgot what it was about until until I started reading it right there again. <laughs> that was rough, even for me. So yeah, um, that's my that's my topic, James. You're talking about Rasputin. Uh huh. I'm talking about Rasputin, and you know it seems like an odd choice because you know when we think of witches, we usually think of the kind of people that priests burn. But in this instance, we're dealing with a guy who's very uh, you know in league with the church of the area. I mean, he's often called the mad monk. Um, So fun little facts about Rasputin. I'll start from the very beginning. He was actually born not being called Rasputin. His name was uh, Grigory Yefimovich Novik uh, from Siberia. (laughs) The reason why he's called Rasputin is actually because he was such a horn dog (laughs) <laughs> that people just started calling him Rasputin. It literally means debaucher. Oh. Like, you know, Ew. yeah. So that's his, think about that too. This is a, a quote unquote holy man, but his name is debaucher. You know, like imagine going to like a church and saying, oh, you know, forgive me, Father Horn Dog, for I have sinned. You know? <laughs> so that in and of itself is peculiar. As for him actually being a priest and a monk, though, it's a little more nuanced than that. Um, as soon as he was about 12 years old, people started noticing that he wasn't quite like the other kids. 
he was very, very religious, and he had some unusual behaviors. Like, for example, he could make his eyes dilate consciously, uh, <laughs> and that's an odd thing. So he would go on, uh, again, being a very religious uh, youth, he would go on, um, what's it called? Where you go to holy sites, pilgrimages. I don't know yeah. why I couldn't think of that word. <laughs> he would go on pilgrimages and he would go to like Greece and he would go to uh, portions of the Middle East. And every time he would go someplace, he would get a following. There's just something about this guy inherently that people found addictive. People were just drawn to him. Additionally, he was a very unkempt fellow. Um, yeah. He, a lot of people said he smelled like a goat, his hair was always rough. His teeth were black. His breath was apparently just foul. And despite all this, despite all this, people were always captivated with him. And he was constantly, even though he got married when he was about uh, 19 to a woman who was 21, and they were together their whole life, but he was always with very beautiful women. And this is where we get into the more witchy stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if dilating your eyes isn't enough. He would have these baths where he would have women wash his junk, uh, female followers. Not a very churchy thing. No. Uh, He was briefly a monk and uh, as a youth, and he attempted to become a priest. And that's when he decided, this ain't for me. Ends up marrying that woman I mentioned and then just really goes to town (laughs) with all these other women. Uh, He would drink insane amounts of alcohol, um, sometimes 12 bottles of wine. He would give peculiar nicknames to the beautiful women that he was with, you know, like uh, boss lady and hot thing and things like that. No joke. <laughs> but this is the interesting thing. This is the more witchy stuff right here. He would take female followers to forest groves and they would dance energetically around fires that had incense thrown in them. And he would say, I don't degrade you. I purify you. And then, of course, he would he'd plow them. So that does not seem like something that would be sanctioned by the church. <laughs> Nor does it seem like a very Christian rite. It's incredibly pagan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and back on topic with, uh, again, here's a guy who is not really a monk, who is not really a priest. But people treat him like he is a monk and a priest. People follow him wherever he goes. People completely are okay with his swinger lifestyle, even his wife. As I mentioned, they were together for until his death. Wow. And yet he's doing all these very odd pagan things. And then couple that with his, his bizarre appearance. Like this, I, I, it doesn't make a lot of sense when you add all these things together. Now, one reason that might explain why people were okay with his very odd behavior, the fact that his name was Debaucher at this point, and it could be the fact that peasants were often assumed to be potential saints. Uh, And I don't mean all peasants. I just mean peasants with a penchant for religion uh, who are performing miracles. It's sort of a, a claim to fame that if you're going to be a saint in Russia, you're not going to be from the upper echelons. Sainthood is more reserved for peasants, for serfs. And he certainly fit the bill in that, in a lot of the, the traits that he had. He was so well known, and once he started really getting a following, that 
a duchess named uh, Melitza who has a history of falling for con men. <laughs> she would introduce a lot of these these con men as holy men to her cousin, who was the Serena. And we all know sort a little bit probably about the story about the Serena. We'll get more into it in a bit, though. But this was this was sort of during the spiritualism movement, and you know we talked about uh, magical thinking in previous episodes. Some of these fellas that would would entertain this duchess. One of them was a butcher who said he could make people invisible. So that should give you an idea as to the kind of people that the duchess would show off, you know, yeah. really, really outlandish folks. But this is the important bit regarding Rasputin. Uh, so he meets the czar. He meets uh, Nicholas, the czar, and he meets Alexandra, the Tsarina. And a lot of people assume that something kind of happened between him and her, but it's all speculation, really. We don't actually know. But this is where his his claim to fame really came from. You know, as I mentioned, he'd been doing some peculiar little miracles anyway, to the point that some people even called him a miniature Christ during this period. Well, nobody knew what was quite wrong with the heir to the Russian throne, Alexandri, but there was something clearly wrong with him. He was weak. He was in poor health all the time. Nowadays, we know. Nowadays, yeah. we know that he had hemophilia. But in that day and age, they didn't know what was wrong with him. They couldn't understand what was happening. Well, we don't know for sure if he hypnotized the prince or if it was just a coincidence, you know, power of suggestion, or if he actually did some sort of weird spell work on the kid. But we do know that whenever he would make eye contact with the prince uh, and perform certain rites, that he would be okay. Like his his symptoms would go away. Hmm. Now, bear in mind, this is the heir apparent to the Russian throne. This is the most important person under 18 in Russia. And he is sickly. And here is someone who can make him better. So this, all of a sudden, this peasant is extremely popular in the court. And according to a lot of the upper crust, other other aristocrats, not the czar and his wife, too much power. So this is really where some of the more bizarre stuff kicks in regarding this fella. First, a prostitute who he almost certainly hired. <laughs> um stabs him in the gut and screams out loud. This is in public, by the way. This is not in some seedy room. This is on the streets. Stabs him in the gut and screams, I have killed the Antichrist. People saw this happen, and eyewitnesses saw his guts come out. He was oh disemboweled. Oh, gosh. And yet, <laughs> he survived. Totally survived. Oof. Wow. Well, around this time, a lot of these other aristocrats are getting nervous about this guy. He's way too powerful. He's doing all these weird things. A lot of people are not happy with his bizarre behavior, coupled with the fact that everybody's treating him like a holy man. Yeah. But more concerningly, these elites don't like the fact that a serf-born person, Russia had a very strict, uh, borderline feudal kind of system, even in the 20th century, up until the revolution, which we won't get into just yet. But they didn't like that. They didn't like a serf-born person exhibiting that much power. Now, he, he really didn't have the political power that a lot of people thought, but 
It was enough to make the aristocrats nervous. And so Grand Duke Dmitry Pavlovich and Prince Felix Yusupov decide, well, we're going to have to do something about this guy. And since that prostitute didn't kill him by disemboweling him, <laughs> let's get some, let's get enough cyanide to kill five men and let's give him wine and cakes that has in that much cyanide. <laughs> well, not only did it not kill him, he wasn't even really symptomatic. It didn't do anything to him. Wow. So, we're, I mean, what's going on with this guy? He can dilate his eyes. He's been disemboweled. He's been poisoned. So they decided, well, we got to do something else. So they, they beat him, and they shot him in the back. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't kill him. He jumped up and shook his finger at them like, you know, naughty, naughty. <laughs> So they shot him several more times, and they, they wrapped his body in a sheet, and they threw him into the Neva River. Yeah. This is the uh, – we've mentioned this before, but this is the craziest flipping part. They did an autopsy, and he had tried to get out of that bag. He actually died from hypothermia. Yeah. Oof. So what kind of person – I mean, this, is, this kind of reminds me of Blackbeard's death. You know, like what kind of magic man is this? Um, and th- uh, this is where the last thing I'll, I'll say about the guy, because this to me is the most chilling thing about him. Pardon the pun. And this is hearsay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is, well, I'll, I'll add one other odd thing and I'll try and be PG about it. Rasputin was, as you know, he was with a lot of women, but he was notorious for having a very big <laughs> m- ego. Member. All right. Ego. Yeah. And so presumably it was actually, after he was killed, it was actually preserved in a jar. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, people really couldn't let go of that, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> but, uh, but this is the chilling thing. This is hearsay. But presumably, before he was killed, he told the czar, Tsar Nicholas, if I am killed by common men, you and your children will rule Russia for centuries to come. But if I'm killed by one of your stock, meaning an aristocrat, you and your family will be killed by the people. Well, two years later, that was when the revolution took place. The All of the royal children were brutally murdered in the woods. Uh, Nicholas and his wife were killed. And, of course, there, there are no more czars. Hmm. Jeez. Wow. Well. So, you know, he doesn't fit a lot of the stereotypes that we associate with a witch, but I'm going to just put it out there. Definite witch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a he's an odd character. My dad, I remember my dad was obsessed with Rasputin when I was growing up. Oh, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. he just, he, fascinated by him because it's like, you know, what yeah. was that guy? He wasn't. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what was his deal? I really, this is, this is subjective. This is my opinion. But I really do think that he was plugged into something. You know, I, 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 that's the phrase I use is plugged in for certain people. And I think that he was plugged into something, you know? He was mm. something else, that's for sure. The, the thing yeah. that just, the fact that they poisoned him with a poison that would kill anybody yeah. very quickly. Yeah. It's, and it's important to note, you know, this guy would drink 12 bottles of wine. So what what kind of liver did the man have in the first place? Ooh. Wow. So yeah, Rasputin. He's a tough guy. He was a tough guy. <laughs> The only thing that got him was the cold, Alex. That's yeah. why you shouldn't Hey, the cold got my person, too. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm. Uh, you can only kill a witch with a cold, turns out. No. <laughs> and, not in my case. Maybe fire. 
But oh, Al- Alex, maybe that's just a sign you shouldn't keep the house so cold. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys, that was witches. Mm. And I just realized, dear listener, if you're in America and you're listening today, the day that this episode drops, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are thankful for you. And for everybody listening all around the world. One other thing. A friend of mine actually sent this to me today, and I can't believe I let it slip my mind, is there are apparently windows in New England that are diagonal, and they're called witch windows. And they exist because, yeah, they exist because it was believed that witches couldn't enter a window that was diagonal for whatever reason. Well, I'm going to look. I want to go see what one of those looks like. Yeah, very interesting. I guess, you guys, is it time to draw from the vase? I guess we should. Yeah, Yeah, I guess we should. Let me go grab it. All right. So, so you guys ready to draw from the vase? I am. All right. Alex, spin it, spin it, spin it. Spin, spin. Why is there an envelope in here now? I would hold your pieces of paper that you write on. Yeah, whenever people submit a topic, I have to write it on paper. (laughs) Ooh, all right, you guys. (laughs) Are y'all ready to talk about Skinwalker Ranch? Oh, snap. And this. This topic was submitted to us by Corinne, who is a oh, sweet yeah. listener. Yes, she she reached out on Instagram, and she's a sweetheart. And Corinne, I'd like to thank you. She for, left us a good review too. She did. She did. So thank you, Corinne, for everything. Do you guys want to hear some fun? Yeah, I was going to ask you. Did you Corinne? make fun facts about Corinne? I sure did. Did you know Corinne oh. is an expert bass player? But when Jimi Hendrix died, she quit playing. <laughs> Which is odd because Jimi Hendrix played guitar, so we don't. No one will ever understand that. (laughs) Also, her favorite animal is the honey badger. Oh, that's a good pick. That's a lot of people's favorite, I think. Because why not? All right, they're so ferocious, (laughs) vervacious, vervacious. All right. Well, you guys, those are some fun facts about Corinne. Alex, thanks for reading that one off of my. Yeah, of course. I read it off your list. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, I guess that's it. Alex, who does our music? Our music is by Grant Cook. You can find his music on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. So until next time, you guys, we hope that you can keep 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 it it straight. I'm sorry. I don't know why I did it like that. I don't know why I did it. I'm doing like a hype